Inspiring stories to ignite the next generation. From the Perth School, Cambridge. Emma, thank you for joining us for this new and exciting podcast series, where we hope it will inspire young people of today and in the future who might want to follow a similar path to you. You've been a great advocate and role model for what we refer to as the STEM subjects, the science, the technology, engineering and maths. When did your interest in these subjects first begin? So I think I've always enjoyed numbers. Um, they always made sense to me from a young age. So, you know, when I was younger, I, I also played a bit of chess. I loved maths. But actually the first time I became interested in science was, um, funnily enough, Purse Open Day. I remember I was year five um, and I went to the chemistry department and they were running this experiment where you get like a gold, not a gold, a copper 2p coin and dip it in some solution, turned it silver. And then holding it with tongs, I put it in the Bunsen flame, held it, and it just turned gold in front of my eyes. And I just thought, oh, that's magic. It was amazing. Um, and, you know, I always enjoyed chemistry for the pops, bangs, colorful flames, you know. So that was kind of my journey when I was a bit younger. But then when I got to year 10, um, and I had Dr. Black as my chemistry teacher, uh, we went into lockdown. so. Teachers would set work at 8.30, beginning of the day. And so often I would finish the work before the less afternoon lessons would come. And Dr. Black started picking up, oh, you, you finished your work already. So he'd send me extension work. And then I'd start doing that. I'd start solving these harder problems. You know, as I got more and more interested in chemistry, I started following an introductory college textbook um, just to read ahead. And obviously I encountered lots of conceptual challenges. So every time I could, didn't understand something, I sent him an email and say, I don't understand this. Um, could you explain it, please? And then he spent a lot of time actually replying to all my emails, which I probably sent too many of at the time. Um, and that really encouraged me to keep going, definitely. You've represented the school at Olympiads on a national and international level against hundreds of young people from across the world. So your interest in that science has been taken like one stage further beyond just the confines of the school or experimenting your own kitchen. Um, what was that like? The journey there was quite interesting, actually. Um, in year 11 or before year 11, I didn't even think I was going to take A-level physics because um, physics, I just found it you know, fascinating but very frustrating because the explanations were always very unsatisfying. And then I had um, Dr. Tricker, he, very clear explanations kind of started to reveal the beauty of the subject to me. And then I started, you know, pursuing it further. And I did the senior physics challenge um, and that went well. And um, then I was unexpectedly invited to the training camp, the astrophysics training camp where they were going to select the UK team. And when I got the emails, completely unexpected. I was, it was genuinely had not crossed my mind. But then, you know, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll learn this. It looks really interesting. And then I did the four day camp and really enjoyed it and then got selected. And how did that make you feel just being part of that team? It was amazing. It was amazing to, um, cause we had some in-person training camps and it was, it was great to meet the rest of the team actually, cause they were all equally passionate about physics, astrophysics, solving problems. And, you know, we used to huddle around tables together and try and solve problems together. Now you're 18, you're taking your A-levels. It's quite a difficult time in a young person's life because as well as all the revision for the exams, you've also got to make really big decisions about the rest of your life in terms of where do you go to university? What subjects do you do? It's, it's a big decision to make, especially when you have a lot of 
offers or different types of courses to choose from. How has that whole process gone for you and where are you up to at the moment? I actually didn't really know what I wanted to study. Um, I always liked doing lots of different things. That's why I was quite attracted to apply to the US because they have a liberal arts curriculum. You don't have to declare your major until your second year. And that was very appealing to me. And you've got a place at Harvard. Is that where you're going to go? I have just committed actually yesterday. Congratulations. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, that, that is not an easy journey. There's definitely lots of luck involved. I'm sure you have been lucky, but also you must give yourself credit for hard work too. We were talking a bit about preparing for exams and um, I'm sure there's lots of young people who, like even I remember myself when I was at school, didn't find revision particularly easy, found it really hard to motivate myself and focus and there was always something better or more interesting to do than sitting down to study. Um, do you have any advice for young people who, you know, maybe also struggling with their exams or just worried about doing their best or getting their grades they need for university? What wisdom can you draw on that can help others? Well, first of all, I would say exams in the grand scheme of things, they actually don't really matter. And I know people always say that, but I actually do think it's true. Um, I think it's just one of many important skills you need in life. It's just the first skill that's really tested. And I think other skills like soft skills, they don't really get an opportunity to shine through until later in life. So that's one thing I say. But in terms of actually revising for exams, I think it's hard to motivate yourself to revise when you're not interested in the subject. So I would say try and make it interesting. You know, I think um, you can always try and find links between subjects. So, I mean, I did enjoy geography, but we, when we were studying Milankovitch cycles, there was a lot of overlap with astrophysics, astronomy. So like seeing that link, I just became more enthusiastic about geography in general. Do you motivate yourself with like bars of chocolate or other treats? You know, when I've finished revising this much, I'm going to do something just that I want to do or ha eat something nice. I would, I would say set timers. I think mm -hmm. so. I would set a timer for an hour and say, okay, in this hour, um, literally have like a clock and it'll be running down. I say, okay, in this hour, I'm going to write an essay and I'm going to mark it. And that gives me kind of a sense of, okay, because I'm quite motivated by deadlines. So if I set myself like a pretend deadline, then I'll try and, you know, meet it. And I'll get stuff done like that. Because I think if, if you did that for an hour and then went and relaxed for an hour, that's much better than spending two hours writing an essay that took way too long and it probably wasn't your best effort. But when I see you like walking around school, you always look really calm and really unflustered. And even when you're performing your music, you always just look like you never really look stressed. And I think that's quite unusual for a young person. So I'm desperate to know what your secret is. I'm glad you think that because I don't, I don't always feel calm and unflustered. I think sometimes if you carry yourself in a calm manner, you can make yourself feel calmer. If you go around being anxious, you know, anxious expression, walking really fast, you know, checking your watch or so many things to do. You can make yourself even more anxious and then it's just a, like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You kind of refer to people that are always like maybe checking the time or maybe even checking their phone and social media is such, you know, it, it's great, but it can be really addictive. What's your, what's your approach been to that? I do sometimes get addicted. Yep. Uh, I can scroll through Instagram reels, you know, for a bit too long. So when I'm trying to get work done, I try and leave my phone downstairs because actually just it just not being there, it helps so much. You were chosen from thousands of young people across the world to go with a few other students from the purse to California, to Silicon Valley, to take part in an Atlas Fellowship um, project. 
Um, tell me about that. That must have been so exciting just to be in the US with other young people from across the world sharing ideas. And what was that like? It was amazing. Um, there were people from all over the world. Uh, there was a boy from Germany, girl from New Zealand, boy from India, you know, literally everywhere. And, you know, it was fascinating to just hear the diverse experiences from people. But also everyone just had like lots of ideas and it was great to just be able to share them with each other. Was that the main point of the course, just to kind of share ideas about the future of the world? And, and there was a lot of talk about, you know, big if true ideas. So, for example, like ageing is a technical problem that can be solved in our lifetimes. If that was true, that would have huge implications for society. So we were discussing a lot of those ideas. And throughout the 10 days, they gave us sessions on skills. So, for example, Fermi estimates, that's like, Example of a Fermi estimate would be how many people are flying in an airplane at this moment. Um, so you use knowledge that you know and then do some calculations to get a decent estimate and try to get the right order of magnitude. And we're using those to try and make better predictions about the world. And then other sessions were focused on ideas such as um, artificial general intelligence and specifically AI alignment, um, which is like aligning AI's, AI systems with human values. Emma, that must be so relevant for today because AI just seems to be cropping up absolutely everywhere and people are using it in all facets of life. You know, the future of AGI is very uncertain it, and the timescale is also unclear. You know, it could be within the next century that AGI starts to really blow up. So we just don't know. Um, and I think right now there's a lot of focus on developing AGI. It's very exciting, but there's less focus on safety, safety precautions. And I think the sessions were kind of trying to encourage us to think more about the safety. I want to come back to your life at the Purse now. Um, you won Purse Musician of the Year um, back when you were around 14. I think it was year nine with your violin. Um, in what way has your interest in music complemented your, your science and more academic side of, of, your, of your life? I love it just to relax. I think um, playing the violin is a very emotionally freeing experience. So. You know, um, I obviously, I don't play as seriously anymore, but um, it's still very nice if I'm feeling maybe a little bit stressed, I can just pick up the violin, play some Bach or something and feel a lot more relaxed. And also I, I love playing chamber music because you can hear all the different voices of the instruments come together. In what way then, Emma, has music and playing the violin really helped you and benefited you and given you that nice balance between your more academic studies and then the more creative side of you? I've never had to sacrifice any one passion or interest for another. And that's really helped me become a more rounded person. Um, and, you know, music, there are so many groups. I'm in chamber orchestra, symphony orchestra, and also a quartet. And when you think back to your time at the Perth School, what will be some of those memories? Are there things that stand out for you that you'll really take with you into the next chapter of your life as you begin your adult life now? I enjoyed every single day, I think, of my time at Perth. So I couldn't really think of one or two, you know, defining moments. Um, I'd probably actually say Perth as a whole has been a defining moment in my life. Is that because of the opportunities that you've had? It allowed me to become a rounded person. I think I really grew from year seven to year 13. And I think I grew in a way that would not have been possible at any other institution. You've been um, our head girl for the last year. What's that been like? It's been brilliant, you know, to get to know the whole student body better. You really appreciate how many diverse perspectives there are, actually, um, which I hadn't before. And obviously, I went to Wellington College with Alex, the head boy, 
um, where we got to meet other heads of schools. So that was a brilliant opportunity. What do your hopes and dreams look like for the future, Emma? I think at the moment, I'm just hoping to take it, you know, one step at a time. College is the next one. And, you know, go with the flow, enjoy each moment as it comes. I would really like when I'm older to look back and honestly be able to tell myself that, you know, at every step, I did my best. Finally, Emma, we're ending our podcast series with um, all of our guests just thinking back on their lives so far and one piece of advice or wisdom or something that you've learned that you could share with other young people to inspire them. Actually, I'm seeing one from Helena Morrissey. She says she has a saying called like leap before you look. Um, I definitely agree. I think if a good opportunity comes along, um, even if you don't think you're ready, just say yes. Figure out how you're going to manage it later, but say yes in the moment, because by the time you think you're ready, that opportunity might be gone. You're definitely about to do that anyway, once you leave school and go off to uni, I think. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for talking to us today.